Morning, before we start with the Gemara, no, 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 being that today is Rosh Chodesh other, just to share a very quick Rosh Chodesh thought, and why, why is it that other, more than other months, are months in which we celebrate Simcha, Mishanichnas Ador Marvin Besimcha, the Gemara tells us that Haman, who drew a lottery, that he wanted that the mazel should pick in what month, God forbid, the Jewish people should be mamish genocided or annihilated. And when the month of Adar came out, oh, Haman was happy. He says, it's working. Because he knew that Moshe Rabbeinu passed away in the month of Adar. Says the Gemara, what Haman did not know is that Moshe Rabbeinu was also born in the month of Adar. End of Gemara. Hasidus emphasizes that one should not think that Haman did not know that Moshe Rabbeinu was born in the month of Adar. If he knew Jewish history, whether it was him, whether it was his spiritual counterpart, whoever, whichever Haman knew that Moshe Rabbeinu passed away in the month of Adar, certainly knew that Moshe Rabbeinu was born in the month of Adar, but he did not appreciate the meaning of the celebration of a birthday. Which means like this. Let's use basic, a basic concept in Tanya by dividing the person into the inner and the outer. Now there's many inners and there are many outers. Let's here speak about the core. You are versus your koyach, what you have the potential to do. And we have, there's me, my being, and then there's what I can do. Haman thought that why should we celebrate the birth of Moshe? Why should it even be significant? When was Moshe a tzaddik? When he was born? No. He was just a baby. When did he become the great Moshe Rabbeinu? Later in life. So, so his birth, he wasn't Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah, of course he was Moshe Rabbeinu. He was just a baby. Why should we celebrate birth? And just the word, this word, you know, heard it from me this morning earlier. And the... And Hasidus says, no, that if you measure a person by what they accomplish, you're given certain potentials and you realize it, then you celebrate when you realize your potential. But if we learn how to celebrate your very being in a healthy way, not in an arrogant way, then your being is to be celebrated independent of what you accomplished. And that's an ultimate source of celebration, which is why parents celebrate the birth of a child. And, and parents should love their children independent of what they achieve or do not achieve, even though there is a place for that as well. So the month of other is the month when we celebrate the very being of ourselves. And that's taka, the ultimate joy, because if you're only celebrating what you achieve, which is important, then there, there, there will always be a lack in the joy because we can always achieve more. When you, when you celebrate your essence, the essence is, and that's the month of other. Okay, Ornette is looking over there. Good, works. <laughs> All right. All right. We're going to page 31A3. I, again, I apologize. I ordered four more gamadas for people no, that are listening. It's fine. It's fine. And they were supposed to be here. They will, they will be, I, I, can tr I should track it. It's gonna, it's, I'm going to come home now. It's going to be my, my Amazon. But if we can share, that will be great. Okay. So 31A3, we are on the right column. No, 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 no. Go away from there. Go, to, go. Keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. No, the other direction. 
after, yeah, we're just going through the books. After, very good. Three, three, very good. I think, let me just take a look over here. Yeah, in other words, look look at the the most right column all the way in the bottom. That's where we left off. We finished the two stories of, of, of travel, etc. Yes. So the Gemara reverts to its discussion, you have it, of the attitude appropriate to prayer. So we have the Mishnah. The Mishnah spoke about the importance of Koivid Rosh, that we have to get into a, 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 a reverence mind and emotional set. And for that people, some people have to contemplate about certain thoughts about Hashem that inspire reverence. Then we learned that the Gemara says that a person should pray in, in an emotional stent of joy, which is the, a different emotional state. And these are not to be viewed as contradictions. The Mishnah emphasizes one emotional state, the Braisa, which are Tanoim, but their teachings were not recorded in the Mishnah, emphasizes another, another state. And there's room for this and there's room for that. So there is a prayer that's coming out of reverence, one type of prayer. There's a prayer that's coming out of joy. And you have to pick and choose which one, which one do you want to get into. Certainly, again, if you are able to choose, then pick the concept of joy. On the other hand, if you are already in a state of reverence, how would you translate reverence to... I think when a person, let me get the extreme translation, there are certain moments in life in which we feel very broken and very humbled. In a healthy or unhealthy Well, just a reality. Like, I I really don't have control over my life, which we don't. And sometimes it's it's very humbling or beyond beyond what we normally would be able to channel in a healthy way. Uh So what should I do now? Yeah. Open up a tehillim and say some tehillim. No, 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 it's if you were already placed by divine providence in a certain extreme emotional place, don't waste that emotion. Channel it in prayer. Mm-hmm. You should remember that. Words, if there will come a time that your child will call you up, as children do, if they have a good relationship with their parents, and then life will humble everyone, including them, it's painful. What happens if your child calls you up and he tells you something or she tells you something that you are unable to help them? Tell them, open up at the hill and say to him. In other words, you're not solving the, the issue when you can't. But appreciate the fact that a prayer, when one is bechoved rosh, is very powerful. Likewise, if a person has a tremendously joyful moment. I'm not saying not to just savor the moment, do that. But also, chaparai, now that you now that you are feeling joy, you're already there. Open up at Tehillim and say Tehillim, or Davin Mincha, or Davin Shachris. Pray, because our prayers and the effectiveness of the words that we say are mamish connected to the emotional state that we are in. And this goes both ways. In other words, it can be a emotion from the left side, left side, meaning a gvuradika emotion, koyvedroish, serious pensiveness, being humbled, and there can be a, a right side joy, simcha. When you get into a very powerful emotional state, be aware that now your words to God and to your fellow man have a lot more effect. Let's go to your fellow man. When you speak to someone, if you're speaking from your heart, you know those words are a lot more effective. So bridge that emotion with... Channel it. 
Channel prayer. emotion and then concentrate on the words of prayer. Or well, one second. Oh, okay, how that's. Do you do it? So, <laughs> I don't know how. Well, well, uh, well. In other words, I'll give you a great story. It depends how people look at it. Some people look at it the wrong way. They find it. They find it bizarre. Yaakov Avinu loved Yosef. No doubt, he loved all of his children. For whatever reason, understand it the way you want. Yaakov Avinu had a special connection with Yosef. He related to him. He saw himself in him. And to imagine, which we can't, the pain that he felt when Yosef apparently died, was killed. And to imagine the joy that he must have experienced when after 22 years later, he was mourning for 22 years. We don't know what that means because God put it in human nature that when we lose a, a, a loved one, after a year, we are able to go back to life fully because God decreed that one should forget the pain it doesn't mean that there's no pain. It just means that a certain sadness, which is healthy, there's a wound. The wound gets healed to a certain level. That's only if the person really passed away. Since Yosef HaTzadik never really passed away. So the same pain that Yaakov felt when he heard that his son was devoured by wild animals. Can you imagine when a parent thinks that their child was devoured by a wild animal? They don't even have their remains. They have a bloodied garment. That's what they have from their child. So he's mourning for 22 years. He was sad. He was broken. He had no Ruach HaKadosh. He never drank wine. And finally, the moment of he's meeting a son. How can you describe him? These are tzaddikim. That means these are people. Part of being a tzaddik is a person who is able to fully experience their own emotions. So he was to be on the 10th heaven. What was he doing when he saw his son? He was saying the Shema. To the point that when the trader records the words that Yosef told Yaakov, the trader doesn't record what Yaakov told Yosef. So our sages tell us, ah, that's because he was saying the Shema. So what does that mean? Why was he saying the Shema? After you, you're going to meet Lahavdal a billion times, or Oprah will make a reunification on a Grace's show, and there's so much emotion. And, and so, so, so Yaakov, you know, what did he do when he saw his son? He purposefully said the Shema. Because he never experienced joy in his life the way he experienced when he saw Yosef. So he was trying to capture And that. he said to himself, he's a tzaddik. So look, we're not on that level. You go and embrace your son. You make sure you do that. But Yosef was a tzaddik. Yosef understood that. So when he had that feeling, he says, this, there'll never be a moment in my life that I can pray from such joy because I will never have such joy again. It's not possible. So he sees that moment and he said the Shema. Now, for people like us, embrace your child, celebrate with them, but say the Shema or Daven. Did he uh, well, say that tefillah for the first time then? No, he, he just said that. No. It, just no, no, no. it was uh, spontaneous. That's Moshe. Okay. No, 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 no. Wait before. It's what's recorded in the Gemara is that when Yaakov was later, that was 17 years later, when he was about to pass away, and he suspected that maybe some of his children are getting disconnected from Yiddishkeit. They sensed his suspicion, so they told him, Shema Yisrael, listen our father Yisrael, that was his name, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, that's the earliest that we have that record. But this Medrash is saying, now she brings it down, that he was saying the Shema. He was saying the Shema. On his own. On his own, but why was he saying it then? Because he had, a, he had such a surge of joy he didn't want to. Such a gratitude to Hashem, you know. He didn't want to. He didn't want to express it. He didn't want to. He didn't want to use lose that mm -hmm. a, a power without channeling it. Dafka towards God. Mm -hmm. Now, Yosef wasn't a two-year-old. 
When, you, when your child is running to you, wanting your embrace, and you have so much nachas, you don't go, Shema Yisrael, no, no, you embrace your child. But Yosef understood, and Yosef didn't care. So Yaakov was saying the Shema, and Yosef hugged him and embraced him, and what an image, and was talking to him. And he was, and he was savoring that moment of being reunited with his father. And at the same time, Yaakov was feeling how a child feels when he sees his father, and Yaakov felt God, which is our father. Crazy dynamic. He's a tzaddikim. But coming back over here, in other words, there's koiva d'arosh prayer, there's simcha prayer. Greater people are able to have more control over their emotional state, so they can put themselves in this emotional state or in that emotional state. I think the first message for us is, when you are already in an emotional state, let's say you're feeling very angry. That's the meaning in America now. Feeling very angry. It's mamish. That's the culture. So when you feel angry, you say, God, we're in Golos. No. Go channel that to God. Go complain to God. But doesn't it say in the Gemara you're not allowed to daven when you're angry? I don't mean that anger. I mean to say... Frustrated. Frustrated that we're in Golos. When you feel frustrated, in other words, just channel it to God. Because if we speak words to God without feeling, it's a lot better than nothing. But you can't compare. The, 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 the emotions is the gasoline. The tefillah is your car. You go drive without gasoline. Are you supposed to connect your experience to the words that you're saying? Or is it supposed to be dafka separate to take the emotion and plug it into something else and forget the original? I would say it depends. I think I think the greatest of people can mamush align everything. That's what the that, goal is? Not, that, that's the goal. Could be that's the mystical. I'm sure there is such a mystical goal. But even, even if it's not, at least to extrapolate. Okay. In other words, the frustration okay. of feeling uh, un, uh, disconnected. Ultimately, we're disconnected from God. If we, if, we can, if we can take any outer experience, experience that's negative I mean, and, and understand that, that, that we're, we're, we're the cause of it, not in a heavy way. Someone wronged me, of course, because I wronged God exactly that way. So to find that fault in me, not in them, vis-a-vis God, and then do a tshuva for that, then it's a great, that's a great way of serving God. So, 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 we, so now we're moving on. So we have, again, we have joy. And now another b'raisa. When a person is praying, he must, he must direct his thoughts towards the heaven. Now what does that mean, direct your thoughts towards the heaven? Who, who are you talking to? So look inside the footnote. He did a very great job here, 23. He's quoting in the parentheses. I'm going just to the first parentheses, Rabbeinu Yoyna. The Rabbeinu Yoyna is from the era of Rashi and Toysvis. And he writes that this means he should concentrate on the meaning of the words he utters. It's very important. What does that mean in the context, in the, in the, in the flow? Okay, so we learned last week, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that it's, when you are in any emotional state, that's a good time to pray. But what you should not do is while you are praying, let's say, let's speak about joy. You won the lottery, whatever that means. So when you're davening, don't think about the lottery. That was my question. Focus on the words. Correct. Sometimes you're saying, good. yeah, yeah, we're not saying it. In other words, you don't. Now, I want you to know like this, that the Rebbe wrote to many people. I know that my father has such a letter from the Rebbe as well. 
This is on the, on the simple level of praying. People want to daven better. And it was normal. It's normal. It should be normal for a chassid. My father was in yeshiva. He told the Rebbe that he's getting distracted when he's davening. The simple distractions, you can't daven, you're not focused. So the Rebbe wrote to him, and that was a big emphasis of the Rebbe, to look inside the Siddur. To look inside the Siddur. Most of us, at a good moment, if you close your eyes, you can feel connected to something more ruchniyazdik, because by the very fact that you're not seeing anything physical. Mm-hmm. So there is the advantage of closing your eyes, and many other people close their eyes in prayer. The disadvantage of that is, is that as much as when you close your eyes, potentially you can fly to Gan Eden, you can fly to Gehenim just as quick. No way. Yes way. In other words, when you keep, when you, I don't mean Gehenim, in a, in a, I mean to say that you can think about things that have nothing to do with the prayer. If, if you, if you want to anchor, if you want to anchor your thoughts for, for good and bad, so you're not going to fly to the seventh heaven, but to be grounded, keep your eyes opened, but don't look at anything other than the Siddur, and look at the letters, they have a, they have a big spiritual power, and Rabbeinu Yoyna adds, and you should try to concentrate the meaning of the letters, the meaning of the words. This is called, lahavdal, a guided meditation, which is very common. So if someone is going to advocate, it will be so healthy if you can learn how to close your eyes for 30 minutes and, and what? And stay focused on someone who's talking into your ear, telling you, think about this, and think of it. it's called a guided meditation. At least it, it, it empowers you to keep your mind mechuvan. Kavana means directed, not scattered. So you're going back, you're saying, so many good things happen to me. Or so many things challenge. So last week, okay, take that feeling and pray. But, well, hold on. So now another Braisa. This is an, another piece in the puzzle. But do your best. You are in a good emotional state. Good meaning any emotional state is good. It's power. But daven. Think about the davening. Think about the davening. And focus on the words. And concentrate on the meaning. And try to use those feelings. Imbue that feeling into the words, so that's exactly what you mentioned, to abstract it, disconnect it from the cause of the feelings, just take the raw feeling and channel it in the words of the prayer. Abba Sha'u, Aymer, Simen Ladaber, an indication of the correctness of the matter. Now we're turning to 31A4. I think we're turning a page. 31A4 is here. Kavaldik, I love it. So not just to confuse everyone, but not that column, the other column. Which column? Um, oh. Minute, minute, minute. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. We just started. 31A, 31A4 will be on the top. And he's quoting here a Pasuk in Tehillim, right? Tehillim, capital Yud. Tachin Libam, right? You got it? Takshiv Aznecha. Direct their heart. Let your ear attend. Your ear is referring to God's ear. That when will God listen? There's hearing and then there's listening. When is there hakshaba? Takshiv. From God, when our hearts are tachin. In other words, that there is a direct connection to the depth in which our prayers go into godliness related to the direction of our heart. The direction. Not the emotion. So last week, you have to have emotion. Emes. The, the greater the emotion, the more power. Let's go back to my car analogy. But you have to go in one direction. If, you, if your car has 50 horsepower, whatever the, whatever the big number is, but your car is not going in one place, it's going in eight places, then the, even worse, then you'll destroy the car. 
And what do we use to direct our thoughts, according to the way that Abbeinu Yoyin understands the Gemara, are the very words of the prayer. And this gives also a certain mystical insight as to why we stick to a text. And why do we repeat the text every day? Namash works because if you, are, if you are trying to really stay concentrated, even if you're praying just for 60 seconds, but you want to, for 60 seconds, really concentrate to God, what is very helpful is you being habituated with the same words that you're saying. You already know their meaning, so you don't need to spend all of your IQ focused on the meaning. You already know what it means. It's easy. So whatever comes easy to you will occupy less koyach, and then you can spend more koyach in talking them to God. But you have to stay directed to something because you're going into the air. You're jumping in the air. You can go anywhere. So the words direct you. The Gemara now refines the concept of proper and tendering prayer by citing a practice of one particular sage. Tanya was taught in Abraisa, Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Kach Hoya Minhagai Shel Rabbi Akiva. The great Rabbi Akiva had the following custom. When he would pray together with the congregation, he would shorten his prayer. Who knows what the words ve'ole? He would go up. Prayer is going down. Now, why is prayer called going down? A few things. First of all, it used to be that in a shul, the place where the leader of the, of the davening, the shliach tzibur, in America, the chazan, wherever the chazan would stand, would be on the lowest part of the shul. So either they would build a shul, Lahavdol, Lahavdol, the way they built it, over here, Mug and David, you know, you go down like a theater. That means the guy in the front is on the lowest place. In Prague now, in the Altanaya shul, in the shul from the Maral, what they did is, is the shul is straight, but the place where you have the shtenden in the front where the shleich tzibur stands, you, you take a step down. You daven from God, from humble. You go down when you daven to God. You don't go up. Get on your knees. We don't get on our knees. You step down. Mystically, just to know, every mystical experience, if you were ever were to have that, if you're going to see yourself going somewhere, you know, you know what your first experience will be? Going down. That's the way it works. So someone's having a dream of falling. That's a very good example. So don't think that that's a dream of falling. Mm-hmm. That's actually at the beginning of your ascent. And when you're waking up, you're, you're beginning. It's the opposite of what we, down is up. Wow. Because, because we have to go down with everything Gashmias. You know, it's when, you're going, when you're going from one world to another world, you can only get to place B when you leave place A. And going down is leaving. Like leaving. Here. So it may be even you push it, you're leaving your, the world of dreams and you're coming back to reality. Here it makes more sense because the world of dreams is not tangible, so you're going down. But even if you're going from this world to the next world, the first sensation is a downward sensation. There's many... There's a capital term, shir, la, shir, uh, shir hama'alois. So hama'alois means a song of ascents. Mimamakim. From the depths I'm calling out to you. Because the way he got up is by going down. And Alpi Hasidah is Bechal, Aranashama goes down in order. You need a Tzayrach But there's something about going down. So praying is where you're down. When you go away from the prayer, you go back up. We went down to the shrine. Well, that, that already has a very, you know, it's the, in, the inner kavana was an aliyah. 
Okay, so anyways, that's just the way the Gemara speaks, that's just a, a side note. Now, by Kiva, like this, when he davened with the community, he would pray mekatzet, he would shorten his prayer. Why would he shorten his prayer? Because it's common practice that when a community is davening, the, 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 the one leading the prayer will only start the repetition of the prayer, will only continue with the prayer when, when the Rabbi Kiva would be up to that place. People will wait for the Rebbe. So if he were to daven very long, it would cause everyone to have to wait for him. He didn't want for people to wait for him. So he davened faster. faster. And Now he didn't want to burden the congregation, right? Were they to wait until he, until he completed the length of your service. But when he would pray for himself, then Adam and Nichai besav Yezu, if they would, if they, he would begin davening in one corner of the room, umaytzai besav Yisacheres, you would find him in the other, in the other corner of the room. That's how, that's how far away he went from this world. In other words, he was not even aware of how he got from here to there. And v'kol kach lama, you know, but why was he propelled to, to that extent? Because the bowings and the prostrations that happened during praying was done without his awareness, without his awareness, and he would physically be in another corner of the room. Now, just to learn how to learn. What is the message from the story? Well, superficially, but that's not why the Gemara brought it. It sounds like that even if you have the, the potential of praying greatly, do that when you're by yourself. When you're in public, especially if other people will wait for you, don't be so ruchniyazdik on the expense of everyone else's time. But that's not the meaning here. The meaning here is, is that when he davened in the shul, he davened quickly. Why did he daven quickly? By himself, you No. When he davened in the shul, he davened quickly. He davened quickly it says when praying Torah Tzibur, but don't think that a quick prayer is not a good prayer. The, the, the more you indulge in your emotions, then the longer the tefillah will take. When a person is in a very deep, any emotional state, time will go by much quicker. When you are having a great time, I can't believe it, already three hours passed. And the opposite, when you're having a, a suffocating emotional time, you're in jail. Like a, a second takes a year. So when he would daven with, with, with a, in a, when he was in a great emotional state, davening would take much longer. He didn't experience as longer. Just time went by so quick before he turned around. It was four hours later. And he's still in the middle of chakras. But the, the, what we started to learn today is that, yeah, there's something about the emotional state. We learned that last week, two weeks ago. But there's something about simply reading the words, and having kavana of the meaning of the words. If that is your whole tefillah, following the words, then you're not going to get into the highest spiritual state. Davening will take much quicker, but there is a value to that. Well, what's the objective of tefillah? If, if the objective of tefillah is to connect to Hashem, then don't you want people to reach those highest states? I think we connect to God when we are in heavens. And we also have to learn how to connect to God when we are on earth. And people will think that they will only properly daven if they are in a very high emotional state, which is nice at times, 
but but they are really they're they're erroneously thinking that that means that when when I'm not in that state, my tefillah is not that great. Yeah. No, you can be down to earth. You're not in the you're not in the greatest state of joy. You're not in the greatest state of reverence. I'm simply reading the book and I'm following the words. That's great. Self-indulgent also to just ride on your emotions correct. for four hours. Correct, correct, So, very good point. So, therefore, when he was by himself, there's a time and place for that. You can be self-indulgent, but not always. But if you are amongst others, then, yeah, then it's selfish to be self-indulgent. But I think that the, the message of the story and the flow and the Gemara isn't, isn't to say that simply because he respected the tzibur, so he, he davened in an inferior way. No! There, ye, ye, there's there is a advantage even for a shorter prayer. Just have your basic kavana. You know, this is a theme that a lot of Hasidim celebrate. Celebrate. Celebrate meaning that if there is a society of people, mamish, that they minimize a basic tefillah. There's a terrible outcome from that because that leads people, first of all, who daven, not to feel, I'm not saying that we should feel arrogant with our prayer. But when you do something, there should be a certain amount of, okay, I did it. It's good to feel that way. Imagine, when it comes to prayer, it's very hard to measure it. Because if I'm going to only understand that my prayer is of value, if I was in a very high emotional state, then every time I'll daven, I'll say, eh. That wasn't the prayer. God didn't hear me anyways. And ultimately, so what's the point? It's endless. So validating a basic prayer is of great service. Vuchuli. Okay. Very good. Mamish, mamish. So, mamish, that's the flow. Pray from joy, pray from reverence. You know what? Look at the words, understand what you're saying, and talk to God. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry to cut you off. Sure. He said that prayer is going down. Why does it say he went up? He up up means when he ended. Oh, when he ended. He knows, knows, exactly. Uh-huh. Ending the prayer, not that he's coming down to reality. And English is, ah, you're coming down to reality. Mm-hmm. We say you're coming back up to reality. His experience, no, 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 it means, it means coming up means whatever. No matter what level, he was still in a deeper level when he was davening. Lahavdal, this term is used by, by modern psychology. When they, when they use the word deep, go deeper. So deeper is greater, deep is, deep is low. Coming up means more superficial. To bring it to a surface level. Bring it to a surface level, there you go. So you went back to the surface level. Okay, so everything, once Very good. the surface, it diffuses. Correct, mamish. So it's coming down to the... Down, no, it's down, lahavdal. I know that normally when you speak to a frumayid, one of the things that irk a frumay guy when I go to a psychologist and they begin speaking about going deep, going down, oh, by us, God is up. Oh, but there's a, there's a this, is, this is the right way of, of wording it also. Down, deep means you're going closer to God. You're going deeper. You're going deeper than surface. You're going beneath the surface. Up is external. Where do people live in the world? We don't live inside the world. We live up on the lowest level. Okay, Vaita. The Gemara relates a series of laws regarding the proper place, time, and manner of praying. So let's go. Adam Person should always attempt to daven in a house where there are windows. Windows meaning... In Brazil, when you have a window, you know what you can see through the window? Your neighbor. Your neighbor. But, uh, like Manhattan, correct. But the goal of having a window is being able to physically see what we call the heavens. There is something about 
looking at the heavens that is very spiritually uplifting. Imagine, especially when you live in an ugly city. You guys don't know what that means. You're living in Ganadin here. We live in Ganadin here. But what, what you, you, can, you can be in the most horrendous cement, rock, man-made place, not a, not a, not a, not a piece of green. Concrete jungle. The heavens don't change. Jungle is pretty. Concrete jungle. Oh. Oh. And therefore, when you daven, daven in a place where you have windows, as it says, now this is a Gavaldika story, Nebuchadnezzar, the wicked, like we mentioned, he, Bavel, that Golos, they understood the greatness of the Jewish people. And even when they exiled us and they destroyed the Beis Hamikdash, they, unlike other foolish nations that decided, Rahman al-Litzlan, to kill us, to hurt us, Nebuchadnezzar didn't want to kill any Jew. He just wanted for all of our talents and our unique, our unique power to be used for his kingdom. So he actually, he invited us into Bavel. We were not slaves like by Rome. We were not sold into slavery. Daniel, our prophets, became his advisors. Amazing. And 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 etc. etc. Similar a little bit to the Gullists now in, in America. In other words, that they don't want you, they don't want you to uh, to die. They, they, they want you just to use your talents for the betterment of your society, not of, for the Jewish society. Nebuchadnezzar ultimately made a decree that people are not allowed to ask for help of anyone other than of him. In other words, he became the deity. You want to you you pray to a greater power? Pray to me. And he prohibited prayer. That was the meaning of the communists any society that has free education, which means it's a communist society. What they used to do is Mamish is that they used to, every day they, they, in the public school began, every student, they did this in Russia, they did this in Cuba, God forbid if it's going to come here, they'll do it over here, you'll see. If it's going to be free education, the day will begin by everyone putting their head down and saying, God, uh, give me food, give me a candy. Then the teacher will tell the students, pick up your eyes, do you see a candy? No, good. Now put your head down, um, Stalin... Uh, Fidel Castro, Bernie, whoever, give me a candy. And then the teacher will be instructed to put a candy in everyone's desk. Then when you pick up your eyes, there'll be a candy. That, that's, in other words, it's to show that God, God doesn't give you what you need. We do. We, the government, we give you what you need. So he prohibited prayer to anyone other than him. He says he's providing the needs of the people. The day he made the decree, now, Daniel, Daniel was a prophet, worked in his court. So he heard, he heard the Gzeda. So it says that, I'm going to read the whole context, was Daniel, right then and there, continued to do what he always did. What did Daniel always do? Three times a day, Daniel davened. And then the Nach records how Daniel had built in his office, in the palace of the king, he had windows, they were facing Yerushalayim, and he would pray every day. So we learn a lot from prayer from Daniel. So it says that the chavin pesichon lay, that the windows were open towards Yerushalayim, but opening meaning it was open not in the lower part of the room, because then he would probably see the neighboring building, but he had windows high up. So when he just looks at the window, or I don't know if it was a highlight or it was on the wall, but it was a highlight because it says it was directed towards Yerushalayim. High means to the heavens. So from here we learn that, that you that your face that you have to, that you should pray with windows. There was a chassid that came to the Alter Rebbe, 
And the Alter Rebbe told that chassid, it's a hayyom yoyim, that Shema Yisrael. Shema is a Rashi Tevis, it's an abbreviation of Su'u Maraim Enechem. Lift up your eyes up to the high. You should know like this, this is especially true during the night. And that's something that sadly, people who live in a city, we might have been so inspired and we're not. There's a big part of experience of life that we have too little of. And that is, just like we here in LA, we're blessed that there's a sun and it's like a beautiful, and it's like a beautiful. And you feel from the sun warmth and health in the right amount. It's, it's healing. There's something about the sky, the stars and the heavens. There's something mamash mystical. That means when you, if it's part of your life, when you look up to the heavens and you can see what's going on over there and you realize the movement of the heavens, it does something to us. So there's something about every now and then looking up at the heavens. There's different chachmas in Kabbalah. There are people that are cloud readers. The people that can, yeah, everything has a meaning. That's, that's such a mystical, because a cloud is, a, is and it's not. And uh, you have all the. I mean, you, the Don't once you ever you, see like images in the Once you go to once you go to oh, this world, really? yeah. Once you go to that world, you should just know that there's no boundaries in the heavens. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a danger going there. We're just on the, that you can look at the clouds, and and don't ask. You can hear a whole story God is telling you. It's very powerful. That this told that and this happened. Got some a whole gas. and then one wind comes and the whole thing is blown away. And even just looking to that to the purity of the blue on the heavens. There's something about that. And looking at the night sky. So lifting up your eyes to the heavens, there's nowhere that godliness is more revealed without our effort than in nature. And nature that we all should have access to, not everyone lives near the beach, not everyone lives near a beautiful uh, mountain or forest, but everyone lives under the sky. There's something about the sky. There's something about the heavens. And... What helps a lot, I don't know if you remember in the oil, if you go through the minor Russian, at a certain point it says, look up to the heavens. There, there's a time, was when we daven, we look down, we put our heads down, we don't put our noses up. We, we are humble, but there are certain moments also for Kavana that looking up to the heavens gives us a greater sense of the greatness of God. So many similarities, like God is not seeable, but God is everywhere. It's like the heavens. The heavens are every. God is over us. The heavens are over us. That's the famous one of the one of the founders of the modern Zion state. Whoever it was walked into Mea Sha'arim, and he, a lot of Hasidic kids. One little kid told him, "Mr. So and So, where is your kippah?" He was going with Arayamul Kanebach. So, oh, so he so he tells this child, "Kippah Tashamayim." The the dome. Of the heavens, so the little, the little, it was a little, a five-year-old kid. He tells him such a big kippah on such a little head. <laughs> that's, and that's what taka we should feel that, that that's how great God is, and that's how little we are. And many other concepts that you 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 can be inspired in having more yirat shamayim when you are more in touch with the heavens, bigashmias. So that's one thing, and therefore in a beis it's ideal that a shul should have on the mizrach wall. It's ideal. Windows, not to see this, this, the distractions of the world. To be able every now and then, if you feel that you're not, you're not part of prayer, you're not connected, spend some time, look at the heavens. No, we have that Baruch Hashem, we have that Tzchus Bayos. Yachel Yispalol Adam Kolayim Kulay. May you think 
this is a continuation of the Braisa, that a person should uh, keep on davening. Keep on davening. No? <laughs> No, it has already been clarified otherwise through Daniel. When, in that story, Nebuchadnezzar said never to pray. So, that he davened three times a day. And Yachol, you would think that only that he only began, he only commenced praying three times a day after he was exiled, which means, may you think. Like many Israelis might think that if I'm in Israel, I'm already connected to God. I have to be more observant when I'm out of Israel. Now we got Israel. You got three times a day? Once is not enough for God? One, no, three times, maybe No. So it says, says the Gemara, it's that Kfar Nemar, it has already been stated otherwise in Daniel, that the Hava Oved Min Kadmat Dino. Daniel is written in Aramaic. In other words, the Pasuk says that even though Nebuchadnezzar made the decree, he continued to pray three times a day, facing the windows that he already had opened in his room to see the heavens, as he has always done, as he has done before this. Not only before this, the day before the decree. That means Daniel forever daven three times a day, forever meaning even in Israel. So whether you are in your most spiritual state, whether a person feels that they are in their lowest state, the constant is that we daven three times a day. May you think that you can daven to any direction that you want because God is everywhere. That neged Yerushalayim. That the windows were dafka facing Yerushalayim. Just, just to know that in Bavl, Bavl is to the east. So they davened, the people in Bavl daven towards the west. It's, it's a mistake they think we daven towards sunrise. We don't daven towards sunrise. We daven towards Yerushalayim. And that's a big theme in Hasidus and the confusion that people have. God is everywhere. There's a story that someone was on a trip in a caravan, one of the Amoyroim, and he forgot the bench. He, he ate and the caravan is traveling on. So he was thinking to himself that if he's going to tell the whole caravan, people were afraid to get out of the group. It was dangerous to travel then, there, not in a group. So, you know, he can run back, bench, and he can catch up because the group traveled slower. But that means that he would be a little bit alone. That was a danger. Then he said to himself, if I'm going to tell him the truth, which is to, to say the truth in plain English, that I forgot the bench, please wait for me. He knew they would tell him, you're benching to God. God is everywhere. Why do you have to go back to the place where you ate? God is here. Bless God here. But the halacha is, is that when you eat, you have to bench at the place. That means if you ate at this table and you left this table, you forgot to bench and you remembered, then uh, it's better, it's better for you to come back here and bench over here. So he told them, I forgot a golden dove. Over there. Oh, so people understand that. You forgot it over there. So they waited for him to go. And God made a miracle. You know what he found? A golden dove. A golden dove means a dove that's made out of gold, not a living dove, like a nice uh, woman's brooch, but a big one, a golden, a golden dove. And that's the whole, why did God make Dafka that miracle? Because we are compared to a dove and the wings of the dove are, are metaphors of the emotions that we imbue our prayers with. And gold has to do with reverence. And this is, this is a reverence of going back to the place where you ate.
It's an act of gvura because if it's all God is everywhere and loving and if I can bench here, I can bench there, I can just tell God, thank you, you understand me, okay? But if you want to, the gvura of Yiddishkeit is, no, 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 you ate here, you ate here, go over here and bench. Say the words of the benching. So he did an act of gvura with feelings and, 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 and it manifested that Imamish found a golden dove. And metaphorically, what would a golden dove mean to us? Because we're not going to find that every time we go back to the table to bench, even though we're really tired. So metaphorically... I would, I would, I would disagree mean? with you. I would no. disagree with you. When we learn that the third temple is coming down from the heavens, like what does that mean? It means that when there, when there is something there, Beruchnius, that will manifest Begashmius somehow. That means that if we daven with reverence, we are creating a golden dove. That's what we're doing. So may, may, we are we, we are, the Jewish people are a dove because we're very loyal. Doves are birds that are loyal. We're loyal to God, and a golden dove means that we're loyal to God with the midah of gevura, means that we are observant Jews, and that creates or we become spiritually. We are like a golden dove. If if you are in touch with the golden dove, it manifests. Now for a great tzaddikim, like the ultimate, they found a golden dove. Maybe by us, we're not going to find it on the ground, but uh, I don't know, it's going to no, manifest. it's a refinement. You're saying it's a refinement. It means that you're going to be, God is going to give you a golden dove. Not that you should serve God for a reward. That means that, like, since the temple is there, Baruchnius, it's going to have to manifest. Everything that's there, Baruchnius, has to manifest. Okay. It comes down. Something from the heavens comes down to earth. That's the law of gravity. It has to happen that way. How it happens is God's wisdom. Is it because it comes from Galgal? I'm fascinated with Galgal. We'll leave Galgal for another time. Okay. okay. So here's another mind, mindset that people have. If I have to daven three times a day, okay, I'll daven three times a day back to back. You know where guys wrongly do that? On Shabbos, on, many shows on Shabbos, after the Kiddush, it's a long day, it's already after midday, halachic midday, we can daven mincha as of 30 minutes after halachic midday. So people say, I'm going to go home, and then I'm going to have to never go back to shul. Let me daven mincha before I go home. We're not allowed to do that. The whole, the whole kavana is that we should make sure that Shabbos is also a day dedicated for God. And that is experienced when you leave your home as great as it is, and it should be even better, and you go back to shul. No, it's don't put the prayers bebas achas, right? It might be thought that one may assemble the three prayers together and recite them all at once. No. Kfar mefoyresh aladei David has it already been clarified otherwise. As it says, quoting from Tehillim, Tehillim kapitel nun hei, erev There's a prayer of the night, there's a prayer of the morning, and there's a prayer of the afternoon. And don't Challenge them together. Don't mix them together. No, what if no, no, I'm saying that? I'm sorry, go ahead. It, it was afternoon already. But it's the it's the spirit of this law. It's the spirit of getting it over with versus coming back. Yes, it is. This um, first of all, people do it. God bless them. It's yeah. not ideal. It's, like it's not ideal. You, you want to have a nap and you don't want to, you know, just want to put it out of your way in case you miss. You know. How about putting the nap out of the way for God? No, who's the Iker? Who's the tougher? No, I'm just saying. Uh, no, I know, I know. Okay. okay. No, it's not ideal. People do it. Listen, in some Chabad houses where it's hard to get a minion. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask that. So then if you don't have a minion, then it's better to dive in then. Oh, it doesn't have to be a Chabad. As I'm saying in many places where this moment in the community, 
you have for shachros, you have a minion. For mincha, maybe, yeah, maybe not. So then, it's, uh, then you can say, even there, I wouldn't do that. I would rather daven without a minion. Oh, really? I would do that, yeah. In, uh, in Brazil, my chabad was daven without a minion for many years until you finally get a mincha, a minion oh, for mincha. Okay. should be fixed. You daven in the morning, you daven in the afternoon. Okay. In Brazil, mincha, soccer game, yeah. many times. <laughs> and in the middle of the Shemana Esrei, you hear the firecrackers, and you know who's winning. It's very distracting. <laughs> and, and, and then some people, if you are on that team, they are filled with joy. You talk about Kabbalah, like, they joy. And they know, ah, that, because you know from your neighbors, if they're making noise, they, there's the, the team that everyone likes, and then there's a team that everyone hates. You have to intuit. Like the noise of your team is Corinthians, and ah, like I know nothing. Amamash Mincha. Mincha, yeah, okay. Now we're turning to page 31A5. 31A5. Amazing. You got it? It's very confusing, but you so get confusing. it. confusing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's part of... But is that. it the right side of the page or the left? We saw on the left side, right? It's whatever you think. It's the other way around. That's it's just a... Yochal yashmiya koilabit filasoi. Comes another. It might be thought that you should make your voice heard during prayer. No, it's daven loud. No. Kfar mefoyresh alidei chano. It has it already been clarified otherwise through Chana, Shinemar Vakoila Lo Yishameya. The voice should not be heard. You know, Eliyah Navi, he wanted to talk to God, and he had some words of criticism about the Jewish people to relate to God. So God simply didn't come visit him for a very long time. And you know how you feel when you want Elijah the prophet, Eliyah, the great Eliyah Navi, when you have to say something. And you don't have the opportunity to say it. Most of us, oh, oh, it starts to bubble and it's a mind wind. And he he's going nuts. And he wants to speak to God, so he decides he's going to Har Sinai. It's never happened before. If he's going to go to Har Sinai, God is going to come. He went to Mount Sinai, and he went to Mount Sinai, and God came and God told him that I'm coming. So after he was told that God is coming, there was a tremendous wind. And then he says, Hashem. But he realized God was not on the wind. Then there was an earthquake. It's called a ra'ash. Just on Tanakh, ra'ash, which means noise, it means an earthquake. And he said, Hashem. He realized that God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was a fire. And he says, Hashem. And after these three intros came, God sent his angels to shake up a little bit the environment. Then he heard a silent, a very soft, silent voice. And Eliyahu Navi knew that God is speaking through that voice. So, tefillah, if you want to connect to God, here's the, the paradox. Your emotions ideally should be thundering and lightning and earthquaking. It should be all that. But the expression of it, and there's a lot more power to that. It's like a dam. It's like you have a lot of gushing waters, but you're, you're allowing it to flow out through a very silent voice. Many people daven silently because they're dead. They have no feelings, but that's nothing, that's not what it means. And I think that empowers it even more. Great people, wise people, divrei chachamim benachas neshmoim. That's a rule. When someone is shouting, it means that their point is not that great. So they have to spice it up with the sounds. You know, it's, sometimes it's important. But if someone really has something amazing to say, they can whisper it, and it's going to shake up the whole world. So when we dive into God, we learn from Chana. Chana had the highest level of emotion, 
And the power of Chana is that she expressed it in the most silent of voices. I'm talking about the sound of her voice, not the feeling of her heart. Okay, we'll stop over here to be continued. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.